Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to South Valley. Going to worship together. Let's come to our feet, raise our voices. And if you're with us at home, we want to encourage you to worship from where you are at home. Raise the roof, let everybody in the neighborhood know that you're giving praise to God. Come on. Who breaks the power of sin and God? Amazing grace 
because you were forsaken and I'm accepting you were condemned and I'm alive and well the spirit lives within me because you died and rose again I'm forgiven because you were forsaken the truth that he is our king he is the lord and savior of our lives and we're walking through life and we know jesus there's nothing that we are alone in god holds us god walks with us god moves restores us and so if you're going through a time now where maybe you're having some difficulty in your life maybe there's something you just need to give up to the lord i want you to sing these words up loud say jesus you are my king you are with me i lean on your strength not my own because through christ all things are possible amen Amen. Come on. Lift it up. Sing you.
every voice
Let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for waking us up this morning and giving us a brand new day to give you praise, to shout your name out, Lord, to profess the truths that we know who you are, Lord. I pray that your presence would be here with us this morning as we just come before you and want to be with you, Lord. Dwell among us and speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray for every heart that's watching this right now, maybe at home. Just want to pray for every heart that has taken you in right now, Lord. Pray that you would be the center of this time, Lord, and you would speak to our hearts. You would draw us to you, Lord, and where we're dealing with stuff, that you would just allow us to feel your presence and be able to let go and say, God, I know you've got me in the palm of your hand, Lord. I know that you are working on my behalf. We give you praise and honor for that, Lord. And I pray for every heart, Lord, that doesn't know you, doesn't understand how much you love them, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts and let them know that they are precious, they are created by you, and you love them so much you pay the ultimate price through giving your son as a sacrifice, Lord, to be able to be in relationship with you, Lord. I pray that hearts would take a step of faith this morning and wanting to know you and wanting to know your love and just surrender their life to you, Lord, and let you know that you are Lord and Savior of their life and allow just a fresh new creation to begin. So again, we seek you, Lord. We give you praise for, in advance for the mighty work you're going to do, and we just thank you for this opportunity. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. South Valley, how are we doing this morning? Oh, it's so good to see y'all here in the building online. Welcome on behalf of the staff. My name is Marcus. We are just so glad that we can worship with you this morning, that you would take time out of your day just to be here. And y'all, part of my job here is to communicate and uh, there are a lot of things to communicate today. Uh, after having been you know, away from the building a little bit, uh, uh, this is not so much an announcements block as it is a, what did I say, first service, an announcements dissertation. Because there are a lot of things, y'all, happen in the life of the church. And I want to maybe put it this way. These are opportunities for us to grow in our relationship with God and to make a difference for the kingdom of heaven. Is that something that we would be on board with this morning? I think so. And I'm glad that y'all are on board too. So I brought, I have notes and things because the brother needs Jesus and technology to get through all this dissertation. So first of all, if you're here and whether it's in person or online, we just want to especially welcome you and just, we are just glad that you're here. And we would love to be able to connect with you. So if you wouldn't mind filling out our online connect card, that's available on svcclamore.org slash connect. You see it on the screen for you right now. That gives us a chance to be able to, to get to know you, to resource you, to pray with you. We would just love to be able to, to do that. So please, if you haven't filled out one of those, you definitely want to make sure to do that so that we can make sure to be a support and encouragement to you. Also, this week we are kicking off uh, the, well, next week we are kicking off the Rooted Study. This is going to be our third round for it. It is an amazing, amazing study. I'm looking around this room and I've seen so many people who have done this study and it is a tremendous opportunity for you to be able to get into a, a, just a setting of discipleship, of, of growing and doing so in a, a small group setting. So we have virtual and in-person groups that are meeting. Uh, our registration is uh, closing this week, but man, what a, a great opportunity. Literally just emailed uh, the church uh, about 10, 20 minutes ago, the link and just some topics that we're going to be covering over those 10 weeks. And so if you're looking for a way to take that next step in your relationship with God, you definitely want to check it out. You can go to the website, svcclamore.org, and you can sign up there as well. Uh, also, we are looking at ways, again, to be an extension 
of, of Jesus' hands and feet to our community to make an impact, to, to, to do some kingdom work, y'all. And so one of the ways that we're doing that is through a canned food drive that we are running through the month of March in partnership with Lamore Christian Aid here in town. They serve so many families, but the needs is it's just growing exponentially. And so we want to be able to partner with that organization, with that ministry, in a way that will go beyond their hopes and their their. This, this is such a great way to do it, y'all. So canned food drive. We've got uh, non-perishables that you can bring to our 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. service here at South Valley Community Church. For those of you who are checking us out online, our address, if you've not been to the physical campus before, is 1050 West Bush Street, right across the street from Best Buy Market. We would love for you to come alongside these efforts as we try to bless some families in our community. And it's just a great way to be able to do that to fight some hunger in our county. So uh, something that you definitely want to check out where we run that through the month of March. Also, we want to be very intentional in reaching people for Jesus Christ. That's our mission, y'all. We are here as SVCC to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And a lot of folks are just waiting for that extra encouragement to know what that looks like. And with Easter coming, y'all, can y'all believe it's come? It's like March is tomorrow. That's crazy, right? So Easter is coming. We are getting the details for the Easter services ready, but our children's ministry, our amazing, amazing children's ministry is putting together something called You've Been Egged. And it's a great way for y'all to extend an invitation. You see what I did there? You saw that I didn't come up with that, y'all. So I'm, I wish I could have creative rights and license for that. But basically what it is, is it's a packet, uh, a bag rather, of some eggs that you'll get with uh, invite information from our church. Uh, so you can go egg a neighbor, or maybe you can, not in the old school way, y'all. Don't be throwing people's, don't throw eggs at people's houses. And if you did, say you from some other church. Don't say you from here. But that's, uh, that's a great way for us to just, very fun and safe way to be able to extend an invite to people to come to Easter and, and get them to, to experience the fellowship of Jesus Christ, whether it's in person or online, y'all. So our children's ministry is putting that together. There's a registration uh, that's available for you so that you can sign up for it, uh, and that will allow for you to pick up a bag on the 21st. You can do so through the Church Center app. Just go to events at the very bottom of the app, and then you will be able to sign up. It's very quick, you guys. Um, also, we need eggs donated for that because we're looking for about 3,000 eggs between that um, ministry in and of itself, but then also our children's ministry on Easter morning. They're going to be having an egg hunt for the kids here. And so if you wouldn't mind bringing some uh, pre-packaged uh, eggs for that event, we would love to have that just right over there in the uh, worship center foyer. Same area for the canned goods and non-perishables. Uh, next up has nothing to do with any of uh, announcements or anything like that. I just put a picture of my baby over here for you. She's so cute, isn't she? She got more hair than I do. You can't see it, but even in that picture, she had more hair than I do. But yeah, she's, she's sweet. She's a wonderful little girl. She's sleeping through the night, praise the Lord, because uh, sometimes a brother be having some bags under his eyes, but they're designer bags, so there you go. Um, but yeah, now that uh, you're back to me, let's get back to the announcements, okay? Because some of y'all zoned out. Don't lie, you in church. 
Um, we are also looking at just how we can help people to know just a little bit more about what it means to be a part of the SVCC family. So we are having class 101 that's going to be available on the 21st of March. It's going to be at, after the 1030 service is over. Essentially what that is, you guys, is it's a, a way for you to be able to know a little bit about SVCC, our history, uh, our statements of faith, and just what it means to be a part of the SVCC family. And it's a bridge to uh, membership. And it's one of the the really important attributes, as you very well know, we are working um, just very hard on trying to find our new senior pastor. Our team is doing such a great job at just praying through that and navigating through that on our behalf. Uh, and part of that process involves having a candidating weekend like we had previously, and members are allowed to vote for uh, affirmation of that candidate. And so this class, if you've not had membership um, status with the, the church here previously, you can gain that through that class. And so uh, sign-ups for that will be coming here shortly. We just wanted to make sure that you were aware that that's coming down the pipe there for you. Uh, also, we have some baptism opportunities coming up, you guys, which is pretty sweet because I don't know about you, but every time I see baptisms, I don't know if it's just the water or the Holy Spirit or the water and the Holy Spirit. I don't know, but it gets a brother real emotional. Uh, but it's just so, so beautiful because it's a picture of changed lives. And so we have baptisms coming up here. You see it on your screen on the uh, 28th of uh, March, and we're having them both during the 9 a.m. service and the 1030 service. You can sign up by using the Church Center app. Uh, you can also go to uh, svccleamore.org slash next-steps uh, uh, up on the screen. And then on your way out, actually, there are some QR codes that you can just take a picture of, and it takes you right to the baptism link as well. Uh, so that's for, for those of you who are interested in that. And then also, we have First Step for Kids which is the baptism class for kids. It is a great setup for you and your kids and uh, for you to be able to meet with the children's ministry team to talk through uh, the questions that maybe your kids have. Because I had told first service earlier, someone posted on Facebook that their, ch their child was curious to know what it meant to be bathetized. So this class very much clears that up for you. So make sure that you get signed up for that. You can go through, again, the same uh, process. Go through the app at the bottom of events. You can click that or svcc.churchcenter.org and you'll see all of that stuff there. There it is on the screen. They just are professional link placer uppers over there. And then finally, we're at the last announcement, y'all. Whoo, child, this is a lot. But it's great because it's great opportunities. Um, we are about doing kingdom work here, y'all. We are, again, we exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we SVCC get to do that is by our generous giving. And by doing that, we are equipping the saints to be able to do the work that the Lord has called us to do and resourcing ministries and meeting needs and plugging people in in areas where they are needed in order to be at the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we have on the screen for you different ways that you can give. You can give online, svcclamore.org slash donate. And then on the way out also, we have uh, some boxes for that. You can text your offering. You can use the Church Center app for your offering. Just know that however you give, it's a way for us to partner with what Jesus is doing to make a huge impact in our community. And again, if, if you're just checking things out and this is your first time here, man, like we're not trying to, we want something for you and not from you. So don't worry about that. Please pray for us as we give and ask for the Lord to do his work. So that's all I got, y'all. Uh, there's a lot going on. One of the great things that's also happening is tonight, 
Foundations is back uh, in person. And so if you've got a kid that's in youth age, sixth grade through 12, you're gonna want them here uh, for that at the chapel. So make sure that they're there. Other pieces of information, if you go to Church Center app, click on the announcements and everything that I just said in this dissertation is right here for you to be able to have because I know that some of it's like, wow, Marcus, you just, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant, y'all. That's a lot of information. Um, But thank you so much for being here. We love you guys. And if there's anything that we can be doing to be helpful to you, please let us know. Uh, Right now, we're going to bring Tim on up. He's going to give us a message for today. And y'all just have a fantastic morning. Thanks for hanging out with the brother today. He's a ball of energy, isn't he? Uh, My wife, she tuned in last week online and she said, man, that Marcus guy, he is he is funny, and he is just full of energy. He's perfect for what he does, doesn't he? And uh, I love the way he says, y'all. Makes me feel right at home. I asked first service, I said, Marcus, where are you from? I'm not sure. He said, South Lamore. I said, well, it's Southern. You know that, right? Uh, folks, I'm Tim Brown. I'm the executive minister of Growing Healthy Churches, and I'm thrilled that your church is a key part of the Growing Healthy Church family of 140 churches, and we've been helping you trying to secure your next pastor, and I was asked to come along with this journey over the last few weeks, and so I've had the privilege of being here. I'm also a pastor in Modesto. I live in Clovis, so I have a two-hour commute, and they've released me for a few weeks each month to come and speak, so I appreciate you being here again this week, and I look forward to being with you next month as well. Um, You know, You've Been Egged is a great idea. And I love the fact that your children's ministry team is inviting the rest of the church to get involved. And what an easy way for you to invite family or friends. So be sure you get involved with that, okay? It's an easy thing for you to do and a great way for you to get connected in the community. Also, I just want to say, over the last couple of weeks, I had the opportunity to be in meetings with your staff and meetings with your board. Talk to some of the search team that are looking for your next pastor. And wow, what a great group of leaders that you have. In the church world today, I've seen more church leaders suffer with severe anxiety, dark depression, and a sense of overwhelming, overwhelming just not knowing what to do because of COVID. The last year has been absolutely horrific when it comes to knowing what to do as a church leader. There's a lot of pressure in that because it seems like any decision you make, there's going to be a large group of people that are not going to be happy about it. And I am so proud of your staff. They have done such a good job, and and they're such good people. I hope that you appreciate them. This morning when I came in while the worship team was getting ready, and they were, I just had to stop because even though there was nobody else here, I was like, wow, the presence of God is in this place, and these people do an amazing job leading. So be sure you thank your staff. Would you do that? They do a fabulous job. And then one other thing, if you haven't heard, a few weeks ago, First Presbyterian in Hanford lost their pastor tragically in a car accident. He had only started in December. And this is their second death in less than a year of a senior pastor. So I called on behalf of uh, South Valley and talked to one of their leaders and said, is there anything that South Valley can do to help you as you go through this journey? And uh, the, the person I spoke with wanted me to relay, thank you so much as a church for your prayers And if there's ways in which we can help them as they move forward, we're going to try to do as much as we can because that's what we believe here at this church, right? We're not an isolated thing. We're about the kingdom of God, and so we want to help as much as we can. So be sure you pray for that church. And again, thank you for being here today. 
You know, there's power in being included. There's power in being included. You know this if in your physical education class you had to go through what I went through as a kid. And that's when the PE instructor would choose two people to choose sides. And you stood in line and you waited to be picked. And you did not want to be picked last. And there were certain people who were doing the picking. You didn't want them to pick you, right? And there were others that were doing the picking. And you knew that if you got picked by that person, you were going to be on a winning team. And so when you got picked, it was powerful. Maybe some of you know what it's like to receive some awards or maybe some recognition for some of your work that you've done. And when you receive that recognition, when you receive that award, you know that there's power in being included. But there's also pain from being excluded. And many of you know what that's like. I know what it's like to feel like you've You're being excluded. I know what it feels like to be cut from a team that you've tried out for. And the pain that comes from that, knowing that you haven't measured up. I remember as a a kid in sixth grade, the pain of being excluded. I'm about the same height as I was in in sixth grade, believe it or not. I grew really fast. Uh, Not quite the weight that I am now. Um, I asked the camera crew this morning, is there any way that you could do slimming? Can you use a slimming filter? I said, Tim, I don't think we have that. But I was a big kid, and I remember in sixth grade walking into the classroom early one morning and a group of girls singing the jingle for a cartoon that was popular back then called Dinky Doggy. Do any of you remember Dinky Doggy? He was a little dog that grew and grew and grew and grew. He was a tiny dog to begin with, and the jingle you know, goes something like, There was a doggy, and his name was Dinky, and he grew, 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 and he he wasn't a Dinky doggy anymore. And they were singing that as I walked into the room. And I remember the horrific feeling of being excluded. I know what it's like to have been scheduled on the speaking slate at a church, and then them call at the last minute and say, we're uninviting you to speak because you've gone through a divorce. And not knowing the circumstances behind it at all. Many of you know what it's like to not be included in an invite. Maybe to a party or to a family event. And the pain that comes with it. It's so interesting. You notice when you go into an office, a school, a home, a neighborhood or a church. And there's people who say, we're so glad that you're here. And they mean it and you know it. That is so powerful. And it's equally powerful on the opposite side. When you walk into a little group of people or a large group of people. And you know, we, they say, we really don't want you here. You're really not one of us. It can be so painful. And the human race has this thing that we like to divide people into groups. But not our Jesus. Jesus said that his movement that we learned about last week called the called out ones, his movement, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, would be a movement that was open to everybody. Whether you were Jew or Gentile, male or female, didn't matter what race that you were a part of, you were welcome to be a part of his movement. Then he said he would give his Holy Spirit to all people. It didn't matter what ethnicity you were or what you grew up believing or where you were right at the moment. 
He said, I'm giving my Holy Spirit to all who believe in me. No exceptions. Then he said that his movement would be a place where everybody was welcome because God loves everybody. He so loved the world. Even if you look at Jesus' early disciples, the first twelve, Man, they were a clue as to what Jesus would do to include people. He had people who were in the social elite class. He had people who were just poor people, fishermen. He had people who were tax collectors. And as we learned last week, zealots who were on opposite ends of the spectrum politically. But they were all welcome in his group. And he even had the audacity to include in his followers women, which was unheard of in that culture. And one of the many stories that demonstrate this, we're going to look at today for the next two hours that I have. I'm kidding. We're in John chapter 4, if you have a Bible with you. If you want to follow along on the screens, you can. But we're in John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 3 through 26. A story that may be familiar to some of us. It says in verse 3 of John 4, So Jesus left Judea, And he went back once more to his home region of Galilee. Now I want you to look at verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. Will you read that with me? Now he had to go through Samaria. One more time. Now he had to go through Samaria. Which is interesting because Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria. Let me show you a map here. So what this is telling us in this story is that Jesus is down in the region of Judea where Jerusalem is, you could see. And that's Israelite territory. You go to the north and you see Galilee, that's where Jesus is going to travel. And that's Israelite territory. But in between those two territories was a place called Samaria. No Israelite wanted to go through Samaria. In fact, if you were traveling from Judea to to Galilee or Galilee to Judea, you took another route. You see that represented by the arrow that goes out wide. You didn't want to travel through Samaria. In Samaria, they were despised by the Israelites. The people of Samaria were considered half-breeds. They had originally been Jewish people, but they had intermarried and were now not welcomed as a part of the Israelite community. They dressed the wrong way. They believed the wrong stuff. They worshipped incorrectly. They actually aided Israel's enemies. They believed the wrong stuff. About a century before Jesus, the high priest of Israel actually aided in helping to destroy the temple of the Samaritans. So if you were a rabbi and you wanted to get to Judea, If you wanted to go from Judea up to Galilee and you Googled it on your phone so that you would get directions, you would not take the direct route. You would take the route that would give you the bypass around Samaria. Jewish people, they they avoided Samaria like COVID-19. But when Jesus goes up to Galilee, he doesn't take the bypass. He says, guys, we're going to go up to my home region and we're going to take the Samaritan Express. (laughs) So the disciples are probably thinking, "Uh uh-oh, something weird's going on here. And did you notice what we read in verse 4? Did you notice it says in that passage of Scripture that Jesus had to go? 
through Samaria. No, he didn't. There was another route. But in the Gospel of John, when he uses language like that, it's usually an indication that Jesus is about to meet somebody for a divine reason. That Jesus is about to have a divine appointment in Samaria. Here's this weird thing that you see the disciples and the people in Jesus' day had this tendency to divide the human race between us versus them. You're not one of us, you're one of them. And when Jesus divided people, he divided people like this. This is us versus the soon-to-be us. Totally different. It's as if he thought everybody's going to be a part of us. Can I throw up a word of caution here just for those of us here at South Valley? There's a tendency in a lot of churches to have the attitude, it's us versus them. That's not the example of Jesus. So they're going through Samaria and they come to a well. We're going to see that. Where Jesus is going to have an encounter with a woman. Verse 5, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It's a very interesting statement about Jesus here. Uh, Jesus, we know by the, from the Gospel of John, is that he is God in the flesh. This is God in human form. And God in human form, Jesus, was tired. How many of you ever get tired? Will you just raise your hand? You get tired? Yeah. Some of you actually come to church on Sunday morning for your nap, right? Because we get tired. What I love about this is he's going to sit by the well and he's telling his disciples, you go on into town because I'm tired. And so this is a story not about superhero Jesus. This is a story about tired Jesus. God is going to use Jesus' tiredness, his weakness, to impact somebody else's life. Oh, If any of you have ever thought, I don't have the strength I'm too tired, I'm too weak to do something great for God, then you're missing a big, huge point right here. That God will even use us in our weaknesses to do great things for Him if we just surrender. And then we have this well. And this is really important because uh, in, in Scripture, there's a lot of times when stories are being told that for the ancient people, when they would hear the story, they would immediately know something's about to happen because of the setting. There's this guy by the name of Robert Alter who wrote The Art of Biblical Narrative. And he, he talks about how when people heard that there was a well and there was, that, that people were coming around a well, they knew they had a tipping point that, as to what was going to happen at the well because of a setting. And we all know this. We all know this because we know that there are certain things that happen in certain places in books and, and, and movies and stuff that we watch that tips us off that something's about to happen. So, for instance, if you're into Western movies, you know that if you see two men walking out on Main Street and everybody's clearing off of Main Street and you hear... What's about to happen as the two face off? We're about to have a gunfight. The setting tips you off onto what happens. For those of you who may watch horror movies, the setting will tip you off to, about, about what, to what's happening. So typically it goes something like this. You have a young female in an upstairs room. It's late at night. A storm is brewing. 
There's a flash of lightning and a clap of thunder. The electricity goes off and then she hears something downstairs. Why? I don't understand why, but why? She has to go downstairs to examine it. I don't know, but she does. And then there's that chilling music in the background. And you know what's about to happen. For those of you who are afraid to swim in the ocean because of what may swim in the ocean, you know that you may be afraid because of a movie that happened that was released in the late 70s. And you know when you see those types of movies, and there's a group of people or an individual swimming out in the ocean, and you hear two notes, you know about what's to happen, right? You hear two notes. What are those notes? da da the setting tips you off to about what's to happen for those of you who watch Hallmark around Christmas time we have any of you like that you know that the Hallmark Christmas movies are going to be pretty much the same somebody with their priorities out of whack someone helps them to see things differently they change their life and it's a very Merry Christmas very realistic by the way isn't it well, in the ancient world, Alter says that when you see a well, you know that something is about to happen. In the ancient world, you see, they didn't have single bars, and they didn't have e-harmony, and they didn't have tender. And so when you saw a well story, it was going to be a boy meets girl story because hookups happened at a well. It happens all the time in the Old Testament. And there's th- certain features that you would see about these well stories in ancient literature and in Scripture. And they, 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 there's about four of them. The future bridegroom or his representative travels to a foreign land, encounters a maiden at the well. Somebody draws water. The maiden runs home with the news. The stranger's invited to stay. And there's a hookup that happens. They're in love. Features of the well story. If you go through Scripture, you'll see these. Isaac's wife, Rebecca was picked up at a well by one of Isaac's representatives of the family. Jacob meets his wife Rachel at a well. Moses meets his wife Zipporah at a well. So everybody knows, here's a well story, so there's a boy meets girl story coming. But this is Jesus. He's the wrong boy. And it's a well in Samaria. It's the wrong place. And they dress the wrong way there. They believe the wrong stuff there. This is the wrong tribe of people. And a woman comes and you're going to see she's the wrong woman. We're told that she comes about noon. That's a wrong time of day to come and draw water. We'll see that in a second. Now, in the ancient parts of the world, typically drawing water was a very menial task. It was typically assigned to to women. But usually what would happen is that you would hire somebody... You would hire a woman to go draw the water for you. So for the fact that this woman is going to come and she's drawing her own water, you suddenly clue in on the fact that she's coming probably because she's very poor. She has to go get the water for herself. Which means she's from the wrong tribe, she's from the wrong religion, she's from the wrong socioeconomic group, she has no resources to help Jesus with his mission. We're told she comes at noon, which is actually the wrong time of day to come, we'll see in a minute. And Jesus says to her in verse 7, will you give me a drink? Because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. 
How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. You hear that? It's us versus them. This was understood by the Israelites, especially rabbis. You don't connect with one of them. Not only is she the wrong tribe, the wrong religion, the wrong socioeconomic group, she's a woman. And this is a big deal in the ancient world. Men did not talk to women in public. In fact, even if you were married, you did not talk to your wife in public. Some people say, can we go back to those days today? If you were a single man, you would not approach, look at, touch, or look directly at a woman. And that went triple if you were a a rabbi. If you're a rabbi, your job was to stay holy, to stay pure, to stay above reproach. And the quickest way to get defiled was to come into contact with a Samaritan woman. So she knew no Jewish rabbi is going to have anything to do with me. There's a clear line between us and them. (laughs) But isn't it interesting that Jesus always crossed over that line? We see this all throughout the pages of Scripture in the New Testament. It's a really interesting dynamic in the New Testament between Jesus and the Samaritans. One of his most famous of all parables was about a man who fell into the hands of robbers who beat him nearly to death, left him for dead in a ditch when there is a religious person, a priest who walks by and doesn't do anything to help the guy. Like an associate priest walks by, doesn't do anything to help the guy. But Jesus said it is a Samaritan that stops and lavishes this guy with care. In fact, he's known as the good Samaritan. But for the Israelite, there was nothing good about a Samaritan. There's another story in the Gospels where Jesus heals ten lepers. One of them is is a Samaritan. And after he heals these, these Samaritans, one of them comes back. After he heals these lepers, one of them, the Samaritan, comes back to thank Jesus. But what's interesting is if you look in Luke 17, in verse 14, Jesus says to the lepers as, after he cleanses them, Now go show yourself to the priests. Plural, not the priest. Normally what would happen is if you got healed, you had to go to the, you'd go to a local priest who would pronounce you clean so that you could be back part of the community. Jesus invited them to go to their priest because he knew that the Samaritan was going to have to go to his priest. The Israelite was going to have to go to his priest. I find it interesting that Jesus does not say, now that I've cleansed you, in order for it to stick, you have to change religions. You have to clean up your theology. He doesn't say that. It's the strangest thing. There's another time when the disciples, they don't have a good experience in one of the Samaritan villages. The Samaritans are not responsive to the message of the disciples. And so the disciples come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, do you want us to pray to fall so that God would throw fire down from heaven? Jesus, should we nuke them? And Jesus rebukes them. He says, that's not what we're about, guys. Jesus never excluded anyone. Some chose not to be included, but Jesus never excluded anyone. Hey, even those 
who would deny him. Even the one who would betray him. On another occasion, a group of people wanted to think of how they could really insult Jesus. I mean, what's the best thing that we could say about Jesus that would really be an insult to him? Have you ever wanted to do that with somebody? Have you ever just really wanted, you don't like somebody and you want to insult them? Anybody? Anybody? You have to be the holiest people that I've ever been around. Come on, we've all been that way. That you've had a confrontation with somebody and said, Oh, I wish I would have said this. When John 8, 48, look what these people say when they're responding to Jesus. They want to, they want to hurt him. They want to say something that will get at him. And he said, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? It's the worst thing that we could call you. A Samaritan and demon-possessed. So, this woman knows that Jesus is not going to have anything to do with her. So look what happens next in John 4, verses 10, 13, and 15 through 16. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Whoever drinks the water I will give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And then the conversation gets a little weird. Verse 16, he told her, Go call your husband and have him come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is that you've had five husbands, and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Awkward. One commentator says about this passage, how did Jesus know this? Some say, well, it's divine knowledge. One, pa- one commentator says that it was common that there were several people maybe around the well and maybe some guy was sitting beside Jesus and, and was saying, hey, here comes this woman. Don't let her make you your, her sixth. Here's the thing, though, about this woman and about everybody here in this room and everybody that you know. She has a story. Everybody has a story. And I don't know what she dreamed about as a little girl. But I can almost say with 100% certainty, she didn't dream as a little girl of growing up one day and meeting the man of her dreams and marrying him and then getting divorced. In fact, I've not known anybody in all of my years, I have not known anybody who dreams of one day growing up and getting married so that they can get divorced. She didn't dream of cycling through five marriages. And in fact, in the ancient world, a study for a different day, a woman didn't have a right to initiate divorce. But there were two schools of theological thought on that, and one of the schools that was most common in the day gave a man the right to divorce a woman for any reason, even if she burned his food. We kind of think of her as scandalous, but I wonder if she was mostly a victim. 
Over and over and over again, a man made a promise to her. And then for whatever reason, he'd say, nope, don't want you anymore. Nope, don't want you anymore. No, no more. I don't want you anymore. I don't want you anymore. Jesus treats her with such dignity. In spite of her past. She's questionable to say the least, but it doesn't matter to Jesus. You know why? He sees her story. She's hurting. Now, a lot of times as we read through Scripture, we don't pick up on subtle details. And this is especially true in the Gospel of John, which is full of little things. There are three details that would have, that would have stuck out like a sore thumb to the ancient hearers of this story. Three things that they would have picked up on. One, this, this well is outside of the city. Two, the woman came alone to the well. And three, she came to draw water at noon. Why is that important? Well, I'm glad you asked. All cities had wells inside of the city. She could have drawn water from there, but she didn't. She came to the well alone. Women in that day and age for safety purposes and also for community always went with other women to the well. And it was noon. People in the ancient culture, as they went to draw water, did it early in the morning or late in the evening because of the searing hot sun during noon. She's outside of the city. She's alone. And it's at noon. She is an outcast. She's been excluded from the community because of her story. Because of her past. Because of her sin. Because of her shame. Because of her imperfections. And I want you to hear again what Jesus does. Jesus didn't come to the well looking for perfect people. He came to the well Wanting everyone. He was looking for the lost, for the lonely, the broken, the struggling. And he says to her, and I'll just repeat what he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And then the woman says to him, well, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And I think sometimes we read this passage maybe not in the intent that it was supposed to be. Perhaps, perhaps what she was saying is with desperation in her voice when Jesus said that, Sir, please give me that water so I don't have to keep coming out here by myself. So I don't have to take the walk of shame from the city gates to the well every day. Alone. Can you give me that water? And perhaps some of you are here today and you know, you know that. You put on a nice veneer, you've got, it seems like on the outside your life is together. But if you gave somebody a sincere peek on the inside, they would see that you're not much different than the woman at the well. There are too many people in Lemoore and outside of Lemoore today that are living lives alone. You be the church that says no more. You be the individual who says you're welcome.
So Jesus has this unbelievable conversation with her and she tries to get him into a theological discussion. A lot of people will try to do that when they're hurting. They'll change the, the topic. In verse 19, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. That's where the Samaritans worshipped. They didn't go to Jerusalem, but you Jews claim that the place where you must worship is in Jerusalem. And she's saying, we're different, you and I. Jesus didn't look at her differences. He saw somebody that he cared for. And he says to her in verse 23, a time is coming and has already come, because Jesus is there, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes he will explain everything to us. And Jesus said, I, the one you're speaking to, am he. You see, the Samaritans also believed in a Messiah. They had a different language for it. But Jesus offers love to this woman. Verse 27, the disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. <laughs> Rabbis didn't do that. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking to her? Then leaving the water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. You see, the disciples looked at her and they saw someone who was wrong. And Jesus looked at her and he saw someone that he loved. Listen very carefully. Being right puts me on the opposite side of the people I disagree with, but love puts me on the same side of people that I disagree with. I can disagree with you and still love you. Oh, our culture needs to hear that today. And I know a lot of churches that do. Jesus would look at people with love because everybody has a story. Everybody matters to God. Today, Jesus is still calling people to himself. There's an old story maybe some of you have heard. It's kind of a fable where St. Peter guards the gate in heaven. And Paul is the main administrator to see how many people get into heaven. And one day, Peter comes to Paul and he's complaining because there are more people in heaven than he's letting through the gate. And so Paul says, well, let me look into this. And a couple of days later, Paul comes to Peter and he says, well, I found out what the problem is. He says, when nobody else is looking, Jesus is throwing people over the gate. When nobody else is looking, he's just throwing them over the wall. And that's just the way Jesus is. Sinful people, Samaritan people, Roman people, centurion people, soldier people, poor people, rich people, short people, tall people, prostitute people, tax collector people, lame people, deaf people, demons and possessed people, Biden people, Trump people, they all matter to Jesus and he's throwing them over the gate. When Jesus is dying on the cross, for goodness sakes, there's time for one more to throw over. Jesus, would you remember me today as you enter into your kingdom? He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Here's one more, Jesus. What an unbelievable God we have. You know, in, in Australia, they have these massive cattle ranches. I mean, you think that there's big cattle ranches in California. There are massive cattle ranches in uh, Australia. And so they had to figure out, you know, what are we going to do to keep our cattle uh, in our area? And so either we can build these massive fences out over these thousands of acres of property, or they discovered 
we can just dig a well. Because the cattle will always come back to where they can drink. We can either build fences or dig a well. I know a lot of people and I know a lot of churches that are into building fences. In Jesus' day, rabbis would actually talk about building a fence around the Torah, the Ten Commandments. So they would actually teach that we have, to build a, we have to build a fence around this and we can't let certain people in. And, and so we're going to establish rules about rules. In fact, they had rules about how close an Israelite could get to a Samaritan woman without being defiled. It was six feet and you had to wear a mask. But what I want you to see is that Jesus is going to redefine goodness. He says it this way, that what defiles people, Jesus would say, what defiles people, Jesus would say, what defiles people, Jesus would say, is not what touches them from the outside, it's what's going on on the inside. For out of the overflow of the heart, he would say, that's what makes people wrong. That's what makes people evil. You see, Jesus was not a fence builder, he was a well digger. I have come that you who are thirsty can get a drink in churches. And I believe this church, you want to be a well-digging church. Let South Valley Community Church be a church known for offering living water to everybody. Don't be a fence-building church. You want people to meet Jesus, encounter him. By the way, back to the story, just briefly, if you go to the story, this woman who encounters Jesus at the well, she drops her jar and she goes back to the city where everybody has excluded her and she shares a message with them. She becomes the first evangelist in the Gospels. A woman gives the first sermon and the entire town almost responds. And all she said was this, come see this man. You ought to come and see. And one of the largest responses to the gospel message was led by a woman that nobody wanted to be around. It's amazing. And I pastored a church in another state. There was a guy who worked for a delivery company. I won't won't give the name of it. Uh, it was not Amazon Prime because that, that was before. This is a long time ago. Okay, so I know some of you get frequent deliveries from Amazon. Um, but this family, he frequently saw this family. He was known to be uh, kind of a party animal. He was a good-looking guy, you know, muscular, well-built. Um, frequented the, the town bar every evening after his, his deliveries were done. He was known somewhat of a womanizer. But almost on a, if not daily, uh, several times a week, he would have to make deliveries to a family that was in my church because of their family business. They were continually getting deliveries. And this dear sweet lady who was the matriarch of this family, she would engage this guy in conversation. And at the end of their conversation, she would say something like this, um, you know, you ought to come to my church. And he would say to her, oh, I can't do that. I mean, the church would fall down on my head if I'd walk inside that church. 
And she'd say to him, he'd come back the next day, you know, you ought to, you ought to go to my church. And then there was one day when he was going through a very difficult time in his life, and she said it again, you know, you've got to just come to my church. And he said, I think I will. And that Sunday he pulled in in his big, huge Ford, what is the biggest 50 that you can have? 450 with dualies on the back, diesel, sounded like a jet plane taking off. We know all about those down here in the South Valley, don't we? And he sat out in the parking lot and he wouldn't come in. The next week he came back. And with great hesitancy, he walked through the doors and he sat in the back of the church. And at the end of the service, he gave his life to Christ. The next week he came back. He had two more town drunks with him. I said, how did you get them here? He just said, I, you, you ought to try my church. And before long, they had an entire section. The bar owner was not happy with our church. Just let me say that. All because one person said, you ought to come and see. Here's the deal. Some people are one invitation away from their life being changed forever. Some people are one egg box away from coming and seeing the movement and power of God. What would happen is if everybody in this church would say, hey, you should come to my church. Ah, if you're afraid of COVID, watch online. It's easy. When you're talking to somebody, if they're new to the area and you find it out, just say, hey, you should come to my church. They've got a new job or they've just lost a job. Hey, you should come to my church. If they're having a really hard time, hey, you should come to my church. If they've just had a baby, they're going to have a hard time. Hey, you should come to my church, right? You never know who's one invitation away. I had a guy at a church that I pastored here up in Clovis who came to me and he said, Tim, I would like for you to pray that God would give me an opportunity to do something significant for him. So we prayed this. And he was really serious about it. So a few weeks later, he comes back and he says, I have a story you're not going to believe. He said, I was waiting in line at the grocery store and I was in the, the, the section that said 15 items or less where most people think that's just a suggestion, you know. And there's an elderly lady in front of me and she has way more than 15, 15 items. I was a little perturbed. But I'm waiting and then he said, you know, I just started saying, God, I just wish you would give me an opportunity. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And then he said, I heard the cashier gave the amount and she's digging through her purse and she said, oh no, I forgot my checkbook. Well, that's okay, ma'am. We take cash and we take cards. Oh, I, I don't have a card. And I know I don't have enough cash. And this guy's going, great. Now we have to wait. And then he said, it, was, it wasn't audible, but I felt certainly that God was saying, here's your opportunity. And so he said, I, I, I said, ma'am, if you don't mind, 
I don't want to pry over heard what happened. Let me take care of your groceries. And he said, honestly, Tim, it was not that much. And I said, I'll just add it to my grocery bill. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. He said, no, please, just let me help you that way. I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back. And so he finished his, his, the bagging of groceries, and he helped her out to her car, and he helped her put the groceries inside, and she was trying to get his phone number and information. And, uh, and she said, I, I just can't believe this. She said, my husband died two weeks ago, and he's the one that handled all this stuff, and I'm lost. And he said, you know what I said to her, Tim? You ought to try my church. And the next Sunday, she came. The Sunday after that, she came with more people from her senior adult living area. The next Sunday, she brought more. We were actually able to start an entire new church in a senior adult living center because of one guy saying, you ought to try my church. There's an old song that I I learned growing up, an old hymn, and it's called There's Room at the Cross. Just a small phrase of that goes, there's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. Maybe you're that person today. Maybe you're the woman at the well. South Valley, are you ready to move forward? Are you ready to be the light that this community needs? Are you ready to put your past behind you and move forward to a new beginning? Are you ready to change this community and the world for Christ? If you are, then be a well-digging church. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that in a world that divides the human race into us versus them, where there's hostility, bitterness, suspicion, mistrust, violence, war between people, war between families, difficulties in churches, where there's brokenness, we're thankful that there is a place like this where it says everybody is welcome here. Young, old, black, white, yellow, rich, poor, wise, foolish, thank you, God, that there's room at the cross. And thank you that you are a God who still meets people at the will. We pray that you would make this church a well-digging church. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of us say together, amen. Thank you all for being here today. God bless you as you go on your way. Don't forget if you have offerings or any communication you need to give to us, the boxes are over here. Be careful on your way home and come back next week, all right? God bless you. Have a good week.